so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, um, it says uh, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and the new life has become. So now I want to give you some context of 2 Corinthians. So um, the author of this book is the Apostle Paul, all right? And the, the Apostle Paul um, is an amazing guy. We're going to learn a little bit more about him as weeks uh, progress in our sermon series, Remix. Um, but the Apostle Paul wrote this book, and the recipients of this letter were the people in the city, in the Roman city, Corinth, all right? So Corinth was a very ratchet place. All right, like, like Corinth was very evil. Corinth, Corinth was like, like Amsterdam and Vegas finessed and went half on a baby. Like, like it was very vile, wicked. Like they were sexually immoral. They always stayed high. They always got drunk. Like basically like Corinth scripted every episode of the Maury show that we've ever seen. It was a wicked place, and Paul wrote a letter to a church that he started right in the middle of a mess. Amen. Do you know that God will birth something great in the middle of a mess? And so the apostle Paul planted a church right in the middle of this sinful place, and then he, he writes to them to remind these new Christians, these new Jesus followers, he's saying, listen, the reason, the purpose that he wrote this book was to tell them, you are not who you used to be, and you do not have to do what you used to do. Come on, church. And I believe that God is, is wanting to tell us as a, a young church, just like he told these new Jesus followers, these young Jesus followers, he's telling them, listen, you do not have to do what you used to do, and you do not have to be who you used to be. He says that the old life is gone and the new life has come. But if I'm honest about this passage, church, when I first got saved, I still struggled with the same anger. I still struggled with the same uh, 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 desire to drink. I still had the same desire to sleep around. I still had the same desire to do things that I, I should not do, that my lifestyle didn't match my new beliefs. Does anybody know what I'm talking about, church? So if Paul is, oh, y'all going to let me be by myself on that? I'm going to ask y'all that one more time. Does anybody know what I'm talking about, church? Look at y'all. Y'all so sharp and amazing, right? Didn't take y'all long at all to catch on that y'all should have said amen, right? But like, man, like, like my lifestyle did not match my beliefs. I still had the same anger. I still wanted to get lit at all the parties. I still had all the desires that I had before I said yes to Jesus. Can I get an amen for those unhealthy desires that we get sometimes? Y'all better tell the truth and shame the devil up in here. So listen, so, so Paul is telling this church that, that the old life is gone and, and the new life has come. But, but wait a minute, Paul. Like, like I'm sure these new Christians, their environment didn't change. The people around them didn't change. Their desires didn't change. So what really is new? 
Like, like, what's really new, Paul? Like, what are you saying? Like, I still, ha- I still run with the same people. I still have the same struggles. I still have the same thoughts. I still have the same thoughts. I mean thoughts. Like, I still have the same struggles in my life. What are you saying that everything's new? What do you mean, Paul? Well, check this out. So, Paul, what he's really saying is, God has remixed you from the inside out. The God has remixed you from the inside out. Paul is actually letting them know that God has remade you, that God has repurposed you, that God has recreated you, that you were once uh, blind, but now you see that you were once lost, but now you're found. You were once dead, but now you've been made alive in Christ Jesus. Paul is actually telling this church that your performances may still be the same, but your position has changed. That, that God has changed your position, even if you haven't changed your performance. But check this out, though. We've been conditioned to believe that performance determines your position. You get good grades in school, then you'll be able to get the scholarship. You do well and you perform well in college, you'll get the job. You do well on the job, then you'll get the position that you want. If you do well in that position, then you'll get the raise. We have been conditioned to believe that performance determines position. But in the kingdom of God, everything is backwards. The Lord is actually letting us know through Paul, through this letter, he's letting us know that when you understand your position, then you'll understand how to perform. Your position has changed, that you are no longer lost. You have been found. You are no longer dead. You have been made alive. You are no longer lost. You have been found, that you were once blind, but now you see God has transferred you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It is time for us to see ourselves the way that God sees us. Hear me well, hear me good, and hear me well, church. Uh, listen, the way, that you, the way that you believe that God perceives you will affect the things that you receive from God. The way in which you believe that God perceives you will alter the ability that what you will receive from God. God desires to do great things for you, but as long as you keep defining yourself by your performance, you won't receive what God has for you. God desires you to know today, church, that there isn't anything that can stop you, stop God from loving you, not even your worst day. We've been so conditioned to believe that performance determines our position. So check this out. Um, even my daughter has this same mentality. Um, y'all, shout out my beautiful bride. Like, me, she's amazing. I love you so much. So, but check it out, though. Like, so we have a, a gorgeous looking like her mama daughter. She's five, right? Um, she's five years old, and um, she just finished preschool like a boss. Um, I wasn't like a boss on her last day. I was a little emotional. I'm like, how do we get here? How are you about to be in kindergarten already? Like, 
I was having a difficult time, but she finished preschool like a boss. But, but, but even though she finished like a boss, some days throughout this year has been amazing, her following and her, her teacher's instructions, but other days, not so much. She is, my, our daughter is full of life, full of energy. She is bubbly. Y'all probably see her running around here all the time. Like she is full of so much like spunk, right? Like she always has something to say. She's upbeat. She, she loves running around, all that good stuff right? But sometimes in the context of school, all those things aren't that good, right? Like, settle down, baby. Like, you actually have to sit down and learn something. Like, you can't run around your classroom every day. Um, But check it out. So her class, the way that it's set up, her teacher, if she has um, a bad day, she'd get her name written on the board, right? Um, But our daughter, she's had great days, but sometimes she doesn't have good days. And I can always tell whether or not our daughter has a good day in school or a bad day in school. I don't even have to look at the board. I can look at her. So when I come into the room, and if she's had a good day, she runs to me, and she gives me the biggest hug, and she's like, Daddy, she's wanting to tell me all about her day. She's like, Daddy, I learned colors in Spanish. Like, we planted radishes in the garden of our school, and Bobby shared his fruit snacks with me at lunchtime. I'm like, hold on, wait a second, baby. (laughs) Who is Bobby? Right? Like, and then, then she doesn't, like, answer me right away, and then she proceeds to tell me what she did in art class, and she shows me her artwork, and her artwork is a bunch of, like, sunshine, it's a bunch of rainbows and hearts with Bobby's name in the middle. I'm like, show, show Daddy which one of these big-headed little boys' name is Bobby. I will mess a kid up. Don't you sit there and judge me like I will go to work for my baby girl. I'm like, listen, I don't know who this little big-headed boy is, but he can't compare to your daddy. Like, what are you doing? Like, jealous, right? Right? I'm so jealous. And I'm like, uh, but, but I can always tell when she's had an amazing day. But when she has a bad day, I don't have to look at the board to know that she's done something that is not her best. She hangs her head down in shame. She doesn't run to me. She doesn't tell me all about her day. See, this is what we have to realize. Sin doesn't separate you from God, but it robs you of the the confidence that you have. It it robs you of the confidence that you're good enough to be with him. I want to tell you all that again. I'll slow it down a little bit. Sin doesn't separate you from God. As born-again believers, sin does not separate you from God, but it robs you of the confidence that you're good enough to be with him. So this is what my daughter's struggle is in this moment. so, So sin robs you of intimacy with the one that loves you most. So, so she, gets, she, gets in, she gets tripped up. She's talking, right, like she's during nap time. Like, and my daughter, I tell her, one day you're going to miss these naps, boo. Like, you might want to lay down on that cot just a little bit longer, close your eyes, and enjoy this sleep because one day you're going to be on your job and you're going to wish. Come on, Jesus. But my baby girl, no, she ain't trying to hear all of that. She don't sleep at during nap time. She's trying to talk to all the other kids. And so her teacher's got that smile on her face like, yeah, um, you know, we love Briley, but, you know. And I'm like, you don't even got to say it. So, like, she's hanging her head, and she cannot, she, some, something in her is telling her that because she hasn't performed well, 
she's lost her position with daddy. And I remember on one of the bad days that she had, um, we're walking out to the car, and I have my arm around her, and she's got her head down, and she stops, and she looks at me, and she tells me, she asks me, am I still your princess? And I stopped her right there. I, bent, I knelt down, and I looked at her in her beautiful brown eyes, and I told her, there isn't anything you can do to get daddy to stop loving you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You will always be my princess. Nothing can separate you from my love. But don't we get the same way with God? When we're praying like we should, when we're reading our Bibles like we should, when we're giving our tithes and we're giving our offering, when we get to church on time, no judge. Come on this side. <laughs> that was wrong. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> when we're praying like we should, when we're doing our devotions like we should, Right, when we're on our, following our Bible app, the plan on our Bible app like we should, we know like, that we have great standing with God. But what about days that you went off on that coworker that kept trying it with you? Y'all know that one that keep trying it with you. What about on days that, like, you know, that you responded to the, to the guy that you said, like, you wouldn't, like, respond to his text anymore? What, 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 about, what, about, what about when she slid in the DMs and, oh, I, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm going to leave that one alone. I probably shouldn't have said that either. But what about when we haven't performed well, we hold our heads down in shame, and we think that we're not good enough to be in the presence of God anymore. But listen, God's presence does, is not determined by your performance. I want to say that again, church. God's presence is not determined by your performance, whether you perform, perform well or whether you perform not so well. God's presence will not change. The Word of God says that there isn't anything, there is nothing that can separate you from his love. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but the, I believe that the enemy has been singing the same tired song over and over again, that you're not good enough because you messed up. Your yesterdays are behind you. But check this out. The enemy wants to remind you of your past because he is terrified of your future. And when the enemy tries to remind you of your past, you need to remind him of his future. God got a lake of fire with his name on it. Listen, we've got to understand and know whose we are and who we are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So here's the change, church. You have been shifted from in sin to in Christ. You have been shifted. God has remixed you. He has transitioned you. He has repositioned you from being in darkness to being in light. You didn't have anything to do with it. All you had to do was say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. And Jesus supernaturally transforms you. But before he transforms you, he repositions you. And he repositions you from being a child of the darkness to being a child of the light. He does the work. He does the work. He does the work. 
And I believe that there are people here, you've been trying to earn love. You've been, you, because of, of maybe it was bad parenting, maybe it was a teacher in school, maybe it was just your mentality was like, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I just got to do my best. I always have to be the greatest. I have to be excellent at everything that I do. I have to be the best. Listen, I understand this is, is something that I struggle with as well, but I, I want to liberate you from that. Your, God does not view you by your works. Your best works is still filthy rags to God. I want to say that again. Your best works are still filthy rags to God. You see, we've been saved by grace through faith. So if we're saved by grace through faith, you are sustained by grace through faith. There isn't anything you could have done to be saved. God saved you. You didn't save yourself. God saved you. And there isn't anything that you can do to lose your faith or lose good graces with God because you didn't place yourself in his good graces. God did it by himself. That's good, church. Oh, that's good, church. Man, the enemy, all the enemy wants, wants is for you to think that you're not good enough for the presence of God because it's in the presence of God that there is fullness of joy. God or Satan has been robbing you of your, of your joy because you've been wanting to work your way into the presence of God, but you can't work your way into the presence of God. You've got to receive your way into the presence of God. Just receive the grace of God. Grace is, is giving, God is, grace is God giving you something that you did not deserve and something that you can never earn. It is freely given to you. Why? Out of the abundance of the love that God has in his heart towards you. God loves you. Do you understand God is love? Like God is love. He is the essence of love. Love radiates from him. It's, it, the scriptures doesn't say God loves. No, 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 no. That's not what it says. It says that God is love. He is the definition of love. Love radiates from him. It pours out of him. That is who he is. He's dripping all day. Love. Love, nonstop love. So listen, your works cannot get God to stop loving you because if God stopped loving you because of your works, he isn't who he said he is. All God is, is love. He is love. He is love. And this church, like, this is a game changer. You want to know why Daniel is sitting here right now in church? Because he knows that God loves him. He's not defined by a sickness or disease. He is defined by the love of Jesus Christ. And if we'll understand that God loves us, we'll know that he's not trying to withhold anything from us. He loves us. Oh, Jesus loves you so much. Listen, I don't know how many times you've blown it. I don't care how many times you've blown it. God has separated you from your sin as far as the east is from the west. They don't go in the same direction. So God is, God is saying, listen, I'm sending your sins way over there. I'm, I'm throwing them into the sea of forgetfulness. God chooses not to remember what you've done. Ooh. We got to know whose we are because when, when the enemy can play games with you about your past, he can affect your present. The enemy can't play games with you when you know who you are, when you know whose you are. Jesus died on the cross 
not to cover your sins, but his blood washes your sins away. He washes them all away. Come on, church. Oh, that's so good, man. Man, I feel the presence of God in here. I feel the presence of God in this church. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So our position changes with God, right? Like our, our whole position changes with God. That is what Paul was saying. He's saying that we're, we're brand new, that he has made us anew, that he changes everything uh, from the inside out. So look, check this out. This is what I want you guys to see and what I want you guys to really understand. If you're not taking notes, I'm going to, here's my first note, take notes. Like, you're going to need this. And so here it is. God changes your position before you can change your performance. God changes your position before you can change your performance. You see, for the longest time, the church uh, has had, like, the wrong idea when it comes to like holiness and I do believe in holiness I'll be the first to tell you I believe that we are called to live holy I believe that we are called to live as God intends us to live I, I know that God has a standard for us to live by um, but you are not defined by that that whether or not you made it you hit that standard or not you're not saved if you've hit that standard that's not what design that, that's not what this is for but what God is, is doing, he's calling us to holiness, but holiness is a process. Your sanctification is a process. And in order for you to live out the life that God desires for you to live, here's what we need to know. God changes your position before you can ever change your performance. God changes who you are before you can ever change what you do. Come on, man. God changes who you are before you can ever change what you do. And understanding your position will show you in detail how you should perform. It'll detail how you're supposed to perform. Let's look at verse 18. It says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. You have not been remodeled. You have not been uh, refurbished. You have been redeemed. You have been restored. God has restored you back into right standing with him. He has given you righteousness. I want y'all to put righteousness down. I want you to write the word righteous down. And here's what righteous means. It means that you have right standing with God. Again, your right standing with God doesn't have anything to do with your works. It has everything to do with the perfect work that Jesus has already completed when he went to the cross. You are righteous, not because of anything that you have done, but because of what Christ has done for you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let's look at verse 20, or 19 and 20. It says that for, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he, he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. 
So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Listen, this is so powerful. God wants to have relationship with the world. God wants to have friendship with the world. He wants to have relationship with your cousins that don't want relationship with him. He wants to have relationship with the person that says, I'm done with church because the church has judged me. God wants relationship with that person. God wants relationship with the woman who is on the corner doing unimaginable things with guys for wages. He wants relationship with the world. He wants relationship with everybody down in Dallas County Jail. He wants relationship with all the white-collar folks that think that they don't need him because they're trusting in their wealth. God wants relationship. He wants relationship with the barista that you get your Starbucks from every single day. He's thinking about them every single day. He wants relationship with the LGBTQ community. He wants relationship with the lost. He wants relationship with everyone who is not found. Why? So that he can save their soul just like he saved ours. He wants relationship. He wants relationship with the world. That's what he wants. But I love this, though. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So once you discover that you've been remixed, that you've been repositioned, then God wants a part of your repositioning is you putting yourself in a position where you can tell the lost God loves you. Come on, church. Come on. He wants you to have the ministry of reconciliation. Get this. You are heaven's voice to the world. You are heaven's voice to the world. God has reconciled you. He has won your affection. He has loved you so much with an unconditional love. He's promised that he will never leave you and never forsake you. Now it's time for you to be able to let the world know what God has done for you so that they can see that God will do the same for them. God isn't mad at you. He's not mad at the world. He's madly in love with you, and he is madly in love with the world. He loves. He loves. Let's look at verse 21. This is one of my favorite scriptures that we'll cover today. It says that for God made Christ, he made Christ. Everybody pay attention to that. He made Christ, who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be, what's that next word? Made right with God through Christ. There isn't anything that you could have done to become righteous. I don't care how many elderly people that you helped across the street. I don't care how much tithes and offerings you've given. I don't care how many times you've come to church throughout your life. I don't care how many mission trips you've been on. Even if you've observed all the over 600 commandments that there are in the Bible, if you've observed them all, you still would not have been able to be righteous before God. He had to make you righteous. 
Listen, we were all born into sin without any ability to, to, to change up the situation, right? Like, we, we didn't have a choice. We were all born into sin because of Adam's mistake in the garden. So if we couldn't do anything to be born outside of sin, we couldn't do anything to be reborn into Christ Jesus. God had to make us reborn. So God made Jesus to become sin who knew no sin so that we could be made right before God. So God, God, Jesus is our perfect substitute. He is our, so his righteousness was transferred to us. When he went to the cross, Jesus' righteousness was transferred from Jesus to us, and our sins were transferred from us to Jesus. Here's what you need to know. You might want to write this down. You might want to tweet it, text it, underline it, highlight it, put stars around it, whatever you need to do. Jesus didn't just die for you. He died as you. Let that sink deep. Jesus didn't just die for you. He died as you. When he went to the cross, he didn't die as Jesus, the almighty God. No, he laid down his deity and he picked up our sin. He became our offering for our sin, our atoning sacrifice for our sin. Your sins were nailed to the cross with Jesus. Come on, man. Every time you hooked up with him, it was nailed to the cross. Every time you picked up that bottle, it was nailed to the cross. Every single time you got angry and you got into a fight, it was nailed to the cross. When you had the abortion, it was nailed to the cross. Whatever you have done, it has been nailed to the cross of Jesus, and his righteousness was imputed upon you, and your sin was imputed upon him. Jesus didn't get what he deserved so that you wouldn't get what you deserved. Jesus didn't deserve to die. You deserve to die. But he changed places with you. He remixed you so that the enemy couldn't sing the same songs over you. But the word of God actually says that God sings songs over you. And his song goes a whole lot like you are loved, that you have grace, that you are the apple of my eye. You have won my affection. The word of God says that God is mindful of us. He never stops thinking about you, even when you've stopped thinking about him. He loves you. He loves you so much. One last passage. I want to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 5 and 6. Love this. This is the whole gospel right here. The entire gospel, the entire good news can be summed up in these first two words. But God. But God. I was addicted to alcohol, but God. I had low self-esteem, 
and I was hurting myself, but God. I was about to blow my whole marriage, but God. Come on, church. But God. You can insert whatever it is, whatever you struggled with, whatever you were dead to, whatever, you, whatever uh, had your heart, whatever had your emotions, whatever made you make all of those terrible decisions in your past, but God. But God. You were about to destroy everything. You were about to wreck your relationship with your kid. But God, who is rich in mercy. Come on. Who is rich in mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy. And he loved us so much. Here's, here's so this is, this is all the cause, right? Like, like, but we're about to read, like, what caused him to do what we're about to read next. It was, it was mercy. It was love. That even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he has raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So here's the remix. Here's the repositioning. You were dead, but now you're alive and sitting together with Christ. Here's the repositioning right here. You were dead. Here's what we need to know, church. Y'all going to want to get your phones ready again. You're going to want to really, like, take this home with you. Sin doesn't make you bad. Sin makes you dead. Sin doesn't make you bad. Sin makes you dead. And listen, if somebody dies on the spot right now, there isn't anything that the guy would be able to do or the woman would be able to do to be undead. Right? You can't resuscitate yourself. You can't give yourself mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. You can't uh, call uh, the 911 and get emergency responders to come and, and, and come to your aid. You can't get, like, the, what do you call it, clear. Like, you can't do that. You can't do it. Like, you cannot do it. You can't do anything about being dead. And there wasn't anything I could do about being addicted to alcohol. There wasn't anything I could do to, you know, not be addicted to porn. There wasn't anything I could do to be unangry or to lose depression or to lose anxiety. No, I needed a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And he came on the scene, and he allowed me to go from being dead to being alive in Christ Jesus. But God, who is rich in mercy, God is so rich in mercy that he didn't withhold any love from dead people. He didn't give up on us when we looked like we didn't have any hope. He didn't give up on us. No, he caused us to be changed from dead to alive in Christ. And here's what I want to say, church. Many of us have been looking up to our problems. Many of us have been looking up to the, the situations and the circumstances, and we've, we've, we've been thinking about 
um, thinking about our, our, what started off as a small problem, we've been thinking about it so much that it's become a giant. And we're looking up to it. But I want to draw back to this scripture again where it says that we've been called to sit together with Jesus in heavenly places. So if you're looking up, if you're looking up to your problem, you don't know your position. Dead people lay down on the floor. Alive people are seated together with Christ in heavenly places. So now you look down at your problems. And you have an aerial view, and you're able to, like a sniper, take your problem out with the authority that Jesus has given you. What is cancer to a God? Come on, man. What is depression to a God? What is poverty to a God? What is anxiety to a God? Come on, church. He has given us power. There is power in the name of Jesus. And he has called us to sit together in heavenly places with him. And he has called our church, he has called you, church, he has called you to tread upon serpents and tread upon snakes. And he tells us that there isn't anything that can hurt you. You know what the Bible says about the devil? It says that one day, come on, church, one day we're going to look at him and we're going to be like, really? It was you? Like this whole time, little bitty you has been causing me all this trouble? Listen. Like a roaring lion, like a roaring lion, not as a roaring lion, like a roaring lion. He goes and he tries to see who can I sift. I don't know about y'all, but I came up on knuck as you knuck if you buck. I'm just saying, try it if you want to. Like you will get these hands. You'll find out real quick. I am from Detroit and I will take you out. But why we get soft when it comes with the enemy? Nuck if you buck. Nuck if you buck. Come on, somebody needs to like right now. Somebody taking off their earrings right now like, oh, snap. But like in all seriousness, we have been called to sit together, together. This is how Jesus views you. This is how God views you. He views you as an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. You have been called to sit together with Jesus. Last I checked, sitting down is a position of victory. Jesus is sitting down. I've already killed cancer. Jesus, I have already killed diabetes. Jesus, I have already dealt with your sin. I have already dealt with your depression. I have already dealt with your anxiety. I am sitting down, and I wish you would join me. 